Welcome to the Partner Empowerment Podcast. I'm John Muscarella, Executive Director with Cox Business, responsible for our indirect channels here. Each show, I'm talking to industry experts and insiders to help you be a better business owner and be a better business partner. A couple of our previous shows, we spoke to Cox's chief economist. We also talked to our chief strategy officer. And today I'm delighted to be speaking with uh, one of the best insiders in the industry, Adam Edwards. He's the CEO and co-founder of Tolaris, the largest technology services distributor in the United States. I'm excited to have Adam on the call. Looking forward to our conversation today. Adam, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, John. Thanks for having me. Doing great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time and spending with me and talking to our audience out there as well. So thanks for that. Hey, I'm going to jump right in because I know your time's valuable and there's a lot going on in the industry today. You know, as the largest TSD in the U.S., you manage relationships with a large number of partners and I think it's over 260 vendors, suppliers that you represent. You know, what are the three big areas of change happening in the industry that affects partners in your opinion? So uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, to narrow it down to three is tough. Uh, I would say the industry has moved more in the last 18 months uh, from an acceleration standpoint than I've seen in the last 20 years. Uh, it's truly remarkable how fast things are changing. It doesn't mean people are being left behind. What it means is things are changing, opportunities growing. And I would say the three, if I talked about uh, limited just to three, I would say number one would be the fact that the product set is expanding. It continues to expand. You know, when we started this business, we were brokering long distance. Then it went to network. Then it went beyond that to, you know, uh, large area networks, multipoint. Then it went to software, UCAS, CCAS, those voice services, those minutes went into uh, applications. Now we're seeing security, IoT, network infrastructure, uh, managed services. Everything is being sold now. So the product set expanding, uh, I think, is a years-long trend. But the fact today that we, when we look at our numbers, we see the majority of our sales today are now what we call advanced solutions. Not to say that we're not selling more network than we've ever sold before. We are. That continues to grow. But the breadth of the products is just huge. I would say uh, another trend we're seeing is they continue to be larger opportunities. Bigger customers, enterprises want help in this space. They're looking for advice. Technology is getting more complex. And you can't just click a button and order all this technology. I think a lot of people are under the, uh, the, the idea that Amazon's going to take over everything. And you're just going to click and your, your services are going to be implemented. And that's just not true. When it comes to a large custom deal, when you're dealing with a, an enterprise that has a lot of uh, challenges and nuance to it, you need someone who understands the business and the business risk. How is this going to integrate with everything else? And so I'd say that the, the size customer is getting bigger that is addressing, uh, uh, you know, being addressed by the partner. And, and the third one, I would say, is private equity coming into play. Professional money coming into uh, the channel has perhaps caused the biggest change where they see value where once they didn't, you know, they didn't understand this industry of these advisors go out, these, you know, they go in and advise a customer on, on what they're going to buy and what technology they're going to use, but it's not a reseller relationship that it didn't understand the value until they did. And once they did, the others got wind of it and came in. So now we're seeing roll-ups, we're seeing consolidation, both on the agent side and on the, uh, you know, the distributor side, uh, what we're referring to as, as a brokerage, the former master agent is consolidating rapidly. 
And we're seeing those come together. And I say all three of those things are good. If you look at the long-term trend for the business, the, the, the increase in opportunity, I think all of those are uh, great, great trends. You know, the, the pandemic did provide a significant catalyst to change in how we um, interact with the business owners, the agents, as well as their customers. And I totally agree with you. I think the business owners are more consultative than ever on those highly complex solutions. But in the simple transactions, sometimes we call those low trust. It's not necessarily a great word, but on the simple transactions, are you seeing a lot more automation come into play? Because I know you guys have been investing in automation to try to make simple transactions flow through as seamlessly as possible. No question. Uh, and when you look at um, anything along the value chain, to, to the extent you can, you can automate it and make it simpler to the partner, to the customer, uh, to, to make it painless, uh, that's absolutely a win. And so we have invested in those things for years. We view that as table stakes, mm -hmm. uh, that while it, it is changing and growing, uh, if we don't automate and, and make it easier, because remember, the, the whole idea of a partner's business, they're trying to curate confidence with that customer to sell something, make it a great experience. So they get, that gives them license to come back and have another conversation, another conversation. And if that is not an easy conversation without making the right choice and making it easy for the customer, they don't get license to have that next uh, conversation. So when you look at the economics of it, it, it's, it's really about, not about the dollars made on that first transaction, it's about how successful can you help that partner or the customer be on that first transaction. And the long-term value in that relationship, that's really no. what it comes down to. You know, what else are you going to be investing with them and helping them? What other problems you can help them solve? So, no so, so from a partner perspective, a business owner listening today, you know, the key things, your message you just came across with, right? The product set is expanded significantly. So if you're really just still out there talking about circuits and connectivity, you're probably missing out on the biggest expansion boom in this space in a long time. And then moving up market to help larger customers be their consultant to help solve their challenges that are happening out there. To me, those are significant trends that you really just have to be a part of if you're gonna be successful in this space. But if I build on your last point about confidence, um, about the agent the, in the business they're working with and the confidence that agent's building with the business, what makes an agent successful? What do you see in a business owner that is just starting out? That What do you wanna see in a business owner that's just starting out? You know, what's interesting is uh, we've always wanted to be able to pick them. And if you can pick the winners up front, you save yourself a lot of time. You're mm -hmm. not going to invest in those that are here and then they're gone. There's a lot of effort. There's a lot of expense in the training, the education, the onboarding, uh, the recruitment. The, you know, the, there, there's just a lot of, of investment there. And if we can pick them out of the gate, uh, we'd be far better off. We'd be mm -hmm. much more efficient. What we've learned over time is we can't. There are a few identifiers. I mean, if you can see success in their past, they're a president's club winner. They have a successful business. They're dedicated to doing this. They're committed to doing it. They're putting money toward it. Um, you know, there, there are a few things you can look at, but ultimately what I've seen it comes down to of the thousands and thousands of partners that we've onboarded and uh, met and, and worked with, those who are successful, uh, the, the common trait I would say is perseverance. They're the people who just won't let go, won't give up because every successful partner, and I've interviewed them, We've actually put out, you know, uh, profiles of these people. Right. Every one of them has this sad story about how they almost lost everything. Mm -hmm. The, the, the uh, money didn't come in fast enough. They were up against a wall and they had to make a choice. Do I continue on 
or do I go back and do what I was doing before? And those that, you know, everyone looks at an agent like, man, I'm, I'm smart than that guy. I could do that. But what you can't do, what the, what the majority of people who, who didn't make it don't do is persevere. Right. And that means you fall on your face, you learn, you, you try and uh, you struggle. And it's, uh, that's what I find the most successful partners have is they don't stop at just keeping their business alive. They continue to persevere and grow and adapt and change. And it's those partners that I've found are the most successful in the industry. If you can measure, you know, they always talk about grit, right? And uh, the grit somebody has, the perseverance and grit. And there's always trying to calculate somebody's grit and how that is. But you're absolutely right. I mean, starting a business, a small business today and running a business uh, is not for the faint of heart. You've got to have that perseverance. You have to have that grit to get through the, the bleak times to get to the successful times. Because there will be those hills and valleys. And you've been running your business now for uh, 20 years, I think. And, you know, you've seen that yourself running from a small business to a large successful enterprise today. You know, it's funny. Everybody looks at, uh, you know, su success as though it's overnight and it was just foreordained, that it was mm -hmm. just going to happen regardless. And, and what I found is it's simply not true. It is simply not true. It's there, there are people in business, some of these successful partners that willed it to be so not because they're smarter than everybody else, but because they willed it to be so. When they got knocked down, they got back up. They lost that big account, uh, you know, and, and then they started to invest. You know, there are different stages of investment where they decide that I can't run as fast unless I get some help in here. So rather than taking those dollars and putting them toward lifestyle, they put those dollars toward their business and they hire someone so they can do something better. They reach out and they partner. They, they leverage other people and resources to make themselves better. They're constantly stretching and growing. And those are the most successful. When you talk about hiring, because as you know, hiring is always the most critical element of running a business, is hiring the right people to come on board to help you grow the business. What have you seen these successful businesses do when they get to that point of hiring? Are they augmenting their staff? Are they hiring more salespeople? Where do you think they, sh what should a business owner be looking at when they're going to increase staff and where should they be placing those positions to help them with their business? You know, I'd say the classic path that we see successful partners follow is number one, they find out, hey, I'm very busy. I've got all these inbound calls coming in and I can't respond and, and, and outbound new, new customers. I can't build my funnel and sell like I did last year. So what they do is they find someone to support them. It's kind of that, you know, you look at a surgeon, they're not taking the appointments, they're not following up on billing, they're operating, they're at the operating table. And to the extent they can augment themselves with support teams around them and hire people so they can do that most valuable thing, which is the majority of agents who start a business are sales first. Mm -hmm. They came from a sales background. And, and what the successful ones will do is they'll augment themselves. So that's the biggest difference between a soloist, I would say, and a, a mid-range agent is the mid-range agent has augmented themselves so they can maximize sales effort. But there's a chasm that they cross that I think few cross. And that chasm is when they start to replicate themselves. Those partners that are able to replicate the sales function, very few do this because it's high stakes. You mm -hmm. end up paying more money for those positions. Uh, there's a high failure rate. And those that stick to it and try that and, and succeed at replacing themselves, those have limitless scale. Those are the companies that you see grow to 50 employees, 100 employees. There's just no stopping them because they've grown beyond themselves. And that's the greatest chasm I see partners looking at crossing and some, some attempting to doing it and some not. 
do you think it's the growth from the three person shop to the 50 person business that is the hardest thing to, to accomplish? Well, they just certainly don't go from three to 50. I mean, I've seen some people are 10 people shops, 15 people shops, right. but the principal is still the rainmaker. It's the principal who is driving new opportunity. It's the support team that is making sure implementations go well and customers are being responded to and everything else. They're just making it so that that principal can focus their time on sales. Mm -hmm. It's crossing that cast. So you can still build a, a good business and a good lifestyle at that, uh, with that model. But it's the chasm at which they, the, the difference I see between the 10 person shop, three, call it three, call it 10, and the 50 or 100 person shop is replicating the sales effort. Gotcha. You know, that, that, that is what I see as most challenging, but it's also the biggest growth factor. Well, when you think about the business owners as well, they have to decide on where to invest and which suppliers they really want to lean into and invest their time. Because we always talk about this in sales, you know, the one thing that you have the most control over is your time and how you spend it versus anything else. That's the one thing you can focus on. What advice would you give a, a partner, a business on how best to work with suppliers and how to, how to decide which suppliers they really want to lean in on? Yeah, that's a tough question because there's, you know, there's a limited time in the day mm -hmm. and the, the customer's main focus is, go, or rather the partner's main focus is going out and finding new customers. So which calls from providers should they respond to? And I, I think that they've, you know, a partner's got to be very strategic in answering that question because it's not just the, the suppliers that are helping you today that you need to form a relationship. It's others. Well, remember, these are humans. I mean, these, these, these providers you're working with are humans at the end of the day. They are going to spend their time where they feel like it's most, most worthwhile. And when you need to go to them to go to bat for you, when there's an exception that needs to be made or something to be worked through with a customer uh, and you need help being successful, it's these suppliers who are going to help unlock things for you. And if you haven't invested in that relationship, that may be very difficult. Now, you can leverage uh, you know, a, a distributor. Uh, to, to help you with that and to get some doors unlocked. But, but the fact of the matter is you've got to have that, those local relationships. So you've got to make a decision of, okay, who do I sell most with today? Of course, I'm going to invest in those relationships, but who am I going to invest with tomorrow? Mm -hmm. You know, what are the technologies I'm going to sell tomorrow? So, you know, I said, you guys saw this evolution. You know, those who sold Cox, you know, day in and day out, well, now they're looking at rapid scale. And, and if, even if they're not today, they've got to be investing in those relationships because when the time comes, you want that person at your side, helping you through that first transaction or second transaction, willing to invest with you. And that only comes when you've, you've actually invested in the relationship. At the end of the day, I know we're a technology industry. I know everything we do is over the internet today or it's a software in the cloud. It's still a people business. And you have to have that relationship um, in order to be successful. I don't know how else you do it. Totally agree with you on that. On that point, though, the biggest disconnect that you see between happening between vendor suppliers and agents, business owners, where do you see those disconnects happening and how can we best try to um, avoid them before they actually show up? You know, um, when you say, you know, hey, this person gets it, when you talk about some of the challenge, you think, oh, they just get it. We try to break that down and what that really means. It's a certain type of behavior and, and oh, that person just gets it. And, and I think if you broke that down into numbers, into an equation, it would be the lifetime value of a partner. So, so many organizations are focused on the lifetime value of a customer 
but customers come and go. The truth is, is an agent is a pipeline of deals. It's a pipeline of hundreds and hundreds of deals over time. And so it's really the lifetime of that, um, you know, of that partner that matters. And so this one deal in particular we're working through, I may lose money on. But if I can demonstrate value to that partner, that you matter, and I'm going to stick through it, even when times get tough, then I'm going to build a relationship. And the next 99 deals are going to make up for that one bad deal because that was just tuition. I think those are the people that get it. Those that are willing to invest in a relationship because the problem with the relationships is they're like trees. You know, the, the, the best time to start one was 10 years ago. The second best time is today. You plant it today because you're going to nurture that over time. And I think both sides need to get that. And I think the successful, you know, uh, channel players, uh, whether they're channel managers or, or directors, understand that fact uh, and have to translate that to their leadership of we're an investment road right here. This is not a pipeline we need to squeeze next month. Because that's another misunderstanding, I think, is these partners are not on a quota. And it's not like the old days where you're aligned with a manufacturer of this is my manufacturer. I sell their equipment and I'm in it thick and thin. I've hired engineers who are certified. And if they, they blow it with my customers, I, I guess I'm in trouble. Well, that's not the, the, the route that partners go to market. The, the, the way we all win going to market is working together for the best interest of the customer. And when we're aligned in that, we win. But when the customer is upset, we've got to come together and fix it. Or the, the partner is going to look for a better solution. And, and while that's hard, I think it's much more aligned with the customer. And so I think, you know, people have got to understand that the partner is not a bad person. The, what the partner is, if you're looking at it from a provider side, is they're a person who's truly aligned with that uh, customer's best interest of let's keep it going and get something successful for you. Now, on the, the partner side, you know, I, I, what I would say is the immature ones don't understand that, look, you've got a relationship with a supplier and just blowing them off because things got hard is really going to make it difficult for you when the time comes that you want them to go toe to toe. I see this all the time where, you know, the, when larger, more complex deals come in, you know, when you look at a, a rapid scale deal, for instance, those are more complex deals where they get registered. And all of a sudden, those registrations start going toward the people that have had success in the past because the provider feels like, no, 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 this is not like the transaction where it's ink, ink wins. This is, I'm going to choose who I go to market with. And I'm going to choose that partner that I've had success with before, that has invested with me and is going to treat me like a partner. And so it's really a two-way street. And I think partners are wise who understand that, you know what, if I treat this provider right, if I invest in a relationship from my side, it's going to come back to me. Totally agree. The, in keeping the customer front and center in this conversation is paramount because we're all working towards making sure the customer has a great experience with us. So they come back for other services. We have a long life. We have a long um, history with that customer and a great journey with them. And everybody has a success story there as well. Um, I can't agree with you more on, on the customer focus and keeping that front and center. You know, a lot of feedback. We just finished up some roundtables um, with a number of very successful agents. And the one consistent feedback we get and it isn't just about Cox and rapid scale. It's across the whole industry is around, we're trying to help those business agents be, help them with their business planning process and investment and growing their business. And the general commentary is that the suppliers don't assist or, or have enough insight into helping them grow their business. They're there mm -hmm. for the opportunity 
they're there for the training, but really lack that ability to help put a business plan together to help that business owner, the agent, grow to the next level. Do you see anybody doing that really well? And is there anything, is that something they come, the agents typically come back to you more for to help with business growth and in, in planning? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a really good question. It's good insight because I think we're at a, you know, we're at this level of maturation where you got these, have these soloists who, you know, left their sales role at a, at a provider and they're out there just running and gunning, trying to make ends meet. They finally reach success. They, they, they take a step up to the next level, but pretty soon they've hired a couple of people and they look around and they say, okay, I've got to get serious. This is a business. Mm-hmm. And how am I going to grow this business? Because I've made the decision. I don't just want to be lifestyle. I want to grow a real business. And so we've seen those questions come up for years. In fact, what's interesting is um, we have seen that the, 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 some of the biggest, most well-attended and, and best commented on uh, uh, educational series at our events are HR, hmm. finance, legal. I mean, partners want help with hey, what should I be thinking about to protect my business? What should I be thinking? How do I forecast where my business is going? How do I, uh, what's good hiring process? We've stepped into each of those. And I don't think we've systematized it well yet. We haven't put it in a library yet, but we've educated on it. We've got you know a video library on it because partners are asking that. That's a wonderful thing for all of us. If you think about the channel growing, these are maturing businesses that five, 10 years from now are gonna be large, um, very capable businesses. But a lot of the things we're doing for them today, engineering, project management, account management, uh, financing, all these values that we're offering them, they're going to have those on their own, which is great. They're going to, that's what we want them to do is step. We'll help you along the way. But if you can step up, there's other value we can offer you in terms of, you know, as, as a supplier or as, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a brokerage like Tolaris, there's other value that we can offer you once you build those things for yourself. But I think that's a great sign is that all of them are looking for those answers. Yeah, we're, we're trying to answer those, not just technical answers, but business related. What's the next step to, to growing and maturing my business? Sure. And that's, those are the biggest challenges business owners face. It's obviously revenue in the door is paramount. But the other things that we just mentioned about HR, finance, legal, having the resources and guidance and what to do in those areas are really help get that business owner to the next level. Yeah, John, I'll tell you, I mean, if you would have told me five, seven years ago, one of the hottest topics is going to be HR and legal, I I would have thought, you know, (laughs) you're talking to the wrong crowd. Clearly, you don't understand our partners. (laughs) Let's talk about Tolaris for a minute. A lot of growth at Tolaris, both organically and through acquisition. And you mentioned it about equity coming into the market these technology service distributors coming together, aligning under larger organizations. You know, what's driving your business? What, and what's going on from your perspective in the larger market that we should be aware of? You know, um, I, I mentioned in the beginning that private equity has come in. Um, we were actually looking for an equity partner years ago because our, our thesis has been that this is a business of scale. You know, to to run the business that we run, it's about helping partners. How can I build value for them? And the problem is, I you know, if I'm writing a line of code for 100 partners, that's really expensive. But to write a line of code for 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, all of a sudden that gets really cheap because I can take that line of code and share it with 10,000 different partners. 
I can write a lot, a lot of lines of code that way. And I can hire a lot of developers to do that. And so we believe that, you know, we've got to stay small enough to where we can focus on the partner's individual needs, but be big enough that that scale can bring to bear value that they had never seen before. I mean, we dreamed for years that we could build account management. We dreamed for years that we could build, you know, financial resources. We just couldn't invest in them all at once. What that takes is scale. So we built organically, but our first, you know, uh, dip in the water with an acquisition was carrier sales. Mm-hmm. And we found it to be really successful. They brought a level of expertise in contact center, uh, in, in, in some of the providers that we just didn't have internally and really bolstered our cable practice as well because of what they were doing. And so bringing those together, we found that, look, we've got, now we've got more value for partners. And so we went out looking for equity and found a partner that I think has been absolutely phenomenal in the sense that they've given us a different gear to where we can go and acquire more aggressively, which we have. Uh, and the whole thought behind that is if we can acquire these other distributors, these other brokerages like us that help support sub-agents, we're going to tap into relationships that we don't have today. We're going to tap into value that maybe we haven't created yet. And we can radiate that value across the entire agent base. And so the acquisitions we're looking for, not necessarily just you know, the, the, uh, the brokerages out there, the, the acquisition we're looking for may also be technology. What technology can we acquire and push it out to the entire base of partners and create value for them? That at the end of the day is what it's about. Because I think at the end of the day, it's going to be about value. Partners are going to say, what more can you give me? And that's how we all think. We're consumers. You know, what more can you give me? And that's why we went from the corner store to Walmart, from Walmart to Amazon. It was just a better value equation for us. And I think that's going to take place in this space as well as partners are going to say, who serves my needs the best? So you said something earlier about the agents as they grow their business, the biggest stretch for them was to duplicate or replicate their success, their their rainmaker and bringing on more sales professionals that can represent the company the way they want it represented. When you think about your acquisitions, how are you identifying um, I know you, you, you acquired Chorus and Comptel. Um, how are you identifying companies that really mirror your, your company's business philosophy and approach? Because that's a big difference in this industry is the, the way you're perceived in the industry, your company's perceived in the industry um, has a really great um, value, respect, um, allegiance. How are you ensuring that the companies you acquire bring along that philosophy as well? Well, fortunately, you know, we're in a small enough industry where we pretty much know people. We have relationships with a lot of people and you kind of know who they are and what they're about. And so I think that kind of is a lead off for who you want to have a conversation with. But then also, I mean, the fact is when you acquire someone, you don't, you haven't interviewed every single employee. So that stuff has to work itself out. You know, it has to work itself over time where they bring them on and you watch them in the seat and find how they react, how partners react to them. You just know, like they're a total fit. Or well, in other circumstances, you work with them for a while you, and you give them an opportunity of, no, these are the values. I think that's what's, that's what's hard about a merger is whose culture is it? Which, which, you know, which path are we gonna follow? But in an acquisition, it's very clear that no, this is the path, either you're on board or you're not. I think over time, you know, as you bring companies together, as long as that message is clear and you give people an opportunity, they'll select for themselves. They're either in or they're out. And I think those that are out are going to feel very, uh, it's going to feel very foreign to them and they're going to feel very unwelcome very quickly. Whereas the ones that get it, that, yeah, I want to do the right thing. I want to support my teammates. I want to help partners succeed. Those people are going to feel at home. 
And so I think, you know, since you're not interviewing every single one in an acquisition situation, I think it tends to work itself out over time. Well, in your example of carrier sales and Richard and the team coming together between yourself and Patrick and Richard, um, phenomenal success in that, uh, that alignment merger of the two companies. Um, can't think of a better example of success, a successful merger in this space. So that's yeah, really I think that, that, was, that was more of a coming together where we felt like, look, they've got a great culture as well. Mm -hmm. The difference was, hey, we love the partner more because we go deep and really technical. And our view is, no, we love the partner more because we're really responsive and that's what they want. Yes, yes, we all love the partner. <laughs> the question was, how do we serve them in both ways? And that's what we had to work through. Uh, and look, anytime you have a big change in, you know, in your environment, it creates disruption. And, and that's the time at which I think leadership has to stand up and say, we're all right. We value what we've got here together. Let's, you know, let's formulate something new. And that, so changing the logo and the colors and things like that was actually symbolic of that for us, mm -hmm. where we wanted to honor what they had done, uh, you know, at, Car at Carrier Sales and continue on together as one. And it did work out really well. Okay, that's fantastic. I appreciate that. Adam, I know we've been working with your organization now for a number of years, uh, originally through Richard and Carrier Sales. And then through the acquisition, we teamed up with yourself and Patrick We've had exceptional experience working with your organization. I'd love some feedback from you, though, on what you've seen from Cox Business and how we've um, matured in this space over the past few years. Yeah, um, I actually like the Cox story. I think the Cox story is kind of symbolic of the entire channel maturation story. Because if you go back, people don't remember this, but when you go back in the Cox story, it was tough. It was region by region. It each was a different you know, autonomous unit. So we had to sign all these different contracts, this referral program where you got this up front and maybe they like to work with you, maybe they don't. And uh, each relationship was unique. And so it's kind of this challenge we had to overcome. And then all of a sudden it became, hey, we're actually gonna build a real channel. We're gonna nationalize this where there will be one person leading the relationship. And so all of a sudden it kind of gained this, like, okay, we, we know how to deal with this. And we started seeing, you know, value starts going both ways rather than this ragtag one-off relationship. And then we saw that relationship build up to where it is, you know, today. But then we saw Cox take a, a step further in this realm of going and getting rapid scale. And the reason I say that I think that's symbolic of the channel is because I think we still sell a lot of connectivity and we're going to, we're going to continue increasing and growing that. But married together with deeper technologies you know, these managed services that we can go sell to customers. Um, I saw Cox investment in that, you know, and first when you, when you get into this, something like that, it's why any acquisition, you know, it's tough to vet out what, what do we actually have here? How do we make this work? It's so different. In fact, John, I remember some of the conversations we had was, do we have the same person manage both of those relationships or is it so different that it's a different person? So much to work through, but I think that's really symbolic of the evolution of the channel. Uh, I think it was opportunistic at first. We're trying things out. They work. We're going to put a, put a process and a system around it, and we're going to go deep. We're going to bring on more technology. So I, I would say a phenomenal relationship, a huge success story. What's exciting is, you know, what happens next? What's around the corner? What happens in the next couple of years based on the success we're having today? And that's what's exciting. Yeah, and the future is very bright on our side. Our leadership, I'm fortunate enough to come into the organization where I did, where they asked me to accomplish what we've been accomplishing, which is to reinvest to reinvigorate, to put a plan in place, and we've been executing on it very, very successfully, and the leadership is fully behind it. 
um, like you mentioned with the acquisition of um, RapidScale and the integration of that portfolio, we're offering uh, not just connectivity, but cloud services. And the future is extremely bright. There's other acquisitions on the way. We just closed our acquisition of Segra, which is another connectivity provider in the uh, mid-Atlantic area. And there's more on the horizon with our Cox Edge product and low latency cloud platform. So a lot more to come in this environment. And we're very excited to grow from a regional player to a national player. So stay tuned for more about that. So thank you, Adam. Appreciate the support and guidance over the years as well. Adam, what advice would you give a supplier channel manager on how best to work with a partner? Think about those supplier channel managers that are out there and they're trying to invest in these relationships. Is there anything you would say works well and things I should try to avoid doing? Uh, well, number one, I would say have thick skin. <laughs> I, think, I think that um, the mindset you've got to have with a partner is this is a long-term game. And I think some of my most valued, in fact, I'll tell you a story. It, it's um, actually a guy, I kept closing the door in his face because I wanted to be, I wanted to be loyal to the existing relationships I had. And Char Charlie Lohman was, was uh, consistently you know, on me, pleasantly persistent to where we did start a relationship. We actually named an award after him at our last show because he won it eight times in a row. Um, that's the kind of, I think, I, I think uh, is an example of how you build a relationship over time. So the problem with the relationship is it's not there when you need it unless you invested in it before. So you, don't, you can't get discouraged with it's not happening this week or this month. It's really about investing in the long-term value of that relationship and then identify. I mean, you've got to, you, you got to know that these are high trust transactions. They're high trust where the partners got to know you've got their back. They trust you. They're, they're going to bring more. It's not low trust. Like you're going to Amazon and clicking a button. Right. That would be low trust. High trust is where I know you, I trust you. They're going to come back again and again, but you only get there through investing in a relationship. And I think if channel managers can understand that, and understand where to invest because you can't invest in all the agents, but um, being strategic about I'm going to invest in this relationship because one day that partner is going to see the value I got here and we're going to do a lot of business. Well, I love your term pleasantly persistent. That is ex exact. It's a great way of describing the relationship and how somebody should be engaging and helping that business owner out. So I appreciate that. Great comment. Thank you. I want to thank Adam for joining me today on our podcast. Looking forward to seeing you soon at one of our events someplace in the country, hopefully. Adam, thank you for taking the time today. I'll give it to you. Any last words of wisdom for our audience out there? Yeah, I would say if, uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're someone who is trying to get educated, looking for more, just looking for that extra edge, uh, just keep doing it. Keep getting educated. Take advantage. I'd say there are more resources in the market today that you can take advantage of than there have ever been, whether it's from a brokerage like us, whether it's from a provider like Cox, never have there been more resources for you to take advantage of. So the fact that you already listened to a podcast, taking advantage of some of that means you're open to it. Keep doing it because this industry is going to continue to grow. The opportunity is going to continue to grow. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. I think you're spot on with that closing comment as well. Well, thank you, everybody. Appreciate the time. Have a great day and take care. Thanks again for listening to the Partner Empowerment Podcast. I'm John Muscarella, Executive Director with Cox Business, responsible for our channel programs. If you'd like to learn more about our solutions, whether it's Cox Business or RapidScale, please follow the links that are in the podcast description.